709 on CJAD. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delar, Delmar. I forgot well, that, my that's name. A, that's a good start. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great start. Uh, I'm a bit under the weather. So, but our, our, and I'm Mil Jostner. <laughs> our, our wellness expert will help us tonight to help me get through this, uh, this program. Josh Miller of Fuller Lando, how are you? I'm excellent, Dan. Maybe a little bit better than you at the Probably moment. Probably a little bit better than me. Uh, we welcome to studio uh, our guest for this week, Danielle Henkel of the Danielle Henkel Wellness Company. Uh, Danielle, welcome to CJD. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Now, tell us uh, first a little bit about the wellness company and what you do. What I do, I take care of uh, the full body inside out. Uh, and uh, the way we do it is we chose to import and export and distribute actually uh, medical equipments and product that are natural, uh, which means that what I promote is uh, non-invasive and uh, very natural, even though it's backed by the science and it's medical. Now the products you're talking about, it's it's is it machinery and equipment? Is it is it more like uh, creams and and both. whatnot? Oh, it's both. It's okay. both. It's both because you start with the skin and then you go deeper. You go from the, the epidermis to the dermis to the. I'm going to give you <laughs> all the technical <laughs> kind of terms. technical terms, but epidermis, dermal, dermal layer, and hypodermis which means it's the under uh, which everything happens, the tissues, the blood, um, the fat, the s fat cells, and, and uh, what, what gets everybody crazy, cellulite for women. <laughs> mm. So there is a cure for cellulite then? Of course. Actually, I wouldn't say a cure. I would say it is a way to put back everything into place, which is a, a mainly circulatory problem. It is not the only reason why women suffer from cellulite, but mainly it is a circulatory problem. So if we could just rebalance the fluid circulation, which is lymphatic and the blood circulation, we actually really minimize the problem. Now, this is, is this something you've been involved in all your life? What's your background that got you into this business? <laughs> My background, I think I got into this business because I'm a mother. And I was very much aware of, uh, I love my children, and I know everybody does. Everybody that is a mother or a father, they care. And my way was to really always be careful about what they eat, how they take care of themselves. And I grew up in a country where we usually use basic things, like things that comes from the earth, and not too much of uh, uh, kind of very sophisticated. So you want to treat your skin, you exfoliate. <laughs> you want to put a cream, you use the uh, clay, uh, things like that. And yes. Was your, did you have a background in, in no. health or medical? No, absolutely not. What uh, was your background in? My background, actually, I, 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 I was at the university uh, at Relations Internationales, and I worked for the U.S. Embassy for 12 years. So I was in... <laughs> Politics. <laughs> yes. <laughs> economy and politics, actually, just when I say economy, I was... Uh, helping the U.S. Um, companies um, that wanted to come into business in Algeria. So I was helping them and being the link to teach them how to do business with the Algerian uh, government or other uh, companies. So what was the turning point? What was that, that, that factor that clicked and said, now i got to do something on my own? came in Canada. Actually, I arrived in Quebec in uh, January 1990. And um, it was a tough time. And I started, of course, uh, working and uh, trying to make a living. And uh, after a few years, I saw what I was still able to do, which I knew back then. But back then, I don't know why. Well, maybe it was not the time. I said, 
I just wish to do something for myself and uh, to work as many hours I, as I want, take the decision as I want. And uh, well, if I win, I win. And if I fail, I fail. And I needed that kind of freedom. It was just a matter of doing your own thing. So that started in 1998. And did 97, you, sorry. Was there a specific plan? Did you, did no. you, did you have kind of investors on board? Uh, of you know, Was there a not. leap of faith? Uh, it was a leap of faith. Really, I had no investors whatsoever. I, I was working for an American company here in Montreal uh, called Publication Entertainment. I was their uh, general manager and uh, in sales, which uh, they believed in me. I never thought I, I thought I never was able to sell anything, uh, but uh, I was in sales. And then I decided to start um, a business, and I needed an idea. I needed something that was going to bring up all that passion. And I started thinking, why don't I, and I love teaching, I love um, sharing, sharing information, sharing knowledge. That's what I did all my life. And I thought maybe I could share this something that I cannot find here. It's nobody knew about, really, in those years, about exfoliation. And to me, it was the basic of this, the health, of the skin health. If your skin is not healthy, <laughs> You can't really breathe in and out. It's, it's a way of talking. It's, it's, you need to be aware of exfoliation and its values. And I think uh, as, as we spoke a little bit about off-air, your, your passion as a mother and doing the right thing for your children and setting the right example helped you push you on your way as well. And when we come back from the break, we're going to examine that a little bit further. Today's entrepreneur with Danielle Henkel of the Danielle Henkel Wellness Company. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people. This is Today's Entrepreneur presented by Fuller Landau, Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller. And our guest this evening, Danielle Henkel of the Danielle Henkel Wellness Company. And we're talking about uh, how, uh, Danielle, you discovered uh, your passion when you were in sales, uh, not for sales, but for exfoliation and how you <laughs> made that, that leap of faith. So how did you, how did you quit uh, what would otherwise be a stable, lucrative job and go out on your own? It must have been uh, quite intimidating. It was. It's just that uh, I was, uh, I think it, there is no real explanation. Uh, the only thing that you could say about it is that you know it's time to do something. Uh, I was looking for freedom. I was looking for doing something that would, would, would do some good, not just to have a job. And, and I wanted to have my own thing. Like I said, being able to take my own decisions and see where that would lead me. So I chose the, the niche of health, of beauty, because to me, health means beauty. Uh, and it's not the reverse. You can't be beautiful if you're not healthy. Um, so I tried to go that route. So it started with the exfoliation. And when and so you have this one product or this one idea, now you need supply. Now yes. you need to go make it happen. You need to manufacture it. Yeah. What were your first steps? What did you and what did you learn most from those first steps? What I learned was that illusion, disillusion, which means that we we think when we start that everything is because you have a good idea, because it, it is good for everybody else. It's not just about a product. It's because it has a meaning. It will help people to be or have a healthier skin. <laughs> I prepared all the documents and, and the numbers and, and, and I dreamed and I went and I knocked at doors of, uh, of banks. And then I started um, looking at the government and the programs uh, to see if I could do my manufacturing here. I mean, well. And how was that experience? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I cried many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it, when I think about it today, I truly believe that it took every, every bit of belief from me to continue. Because everything was a no and everything was, you can't make it. It won't happen. You don't realize. This is impossible. You don't have the money. You don't have the, the tools. And, and, and you have nothing. You're only one man show, one woman show. And I said, no, I'll make it happen. And how did you make it happen? Did you find that one person to believe or to help yes. or to take that first step with yes, you? Yes, absolutely. How did you find that person? Well, I went back to my roots, which is, remember, I worked for an embassy, and I know that there's the commercial uh, division of an embassy. So I start calling uh, different uh, embassies, well, go back to the roots, which is North Africa. And I found a manufacturer, and uh, I decided to fly to go and take my chances. First, uh, we spoke on the phone and I said, I like the voice, funny, yeah? I like the voice and I like the the conversation. Uh, Let's see if he can trust me, if I can trust him because I wanted a relationship of a partnership. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm in Canada and he's out there. And I went there and it was uh, very, very difficult. Um, The mentality. First, it's a woman coming in front of men and uh, a woman alone coming to discuss business. Uh, And she had nothing to offer. She didn't even have enough money. So what is this? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I said, listen, I I brought in my passion and I described it. I said, there is a market. I said, there is a need. I said, this is a product that I believe in. I grew up with this. I know it's good. I know it will do good. So I think they bought into my passion. That's all I had. Now, when you started... And you started, I believe, with only one product, right? Yes. And this is an exfoliation glove. Glove. Mm-hmm. The Renaissance glove. Yes. The, the Renaissance glove. <laughs> Great name. The, was it a controlled start? Did you go out and say, you know what, let's manufacture no. tens of thousands, or was it really no. a slow step pace? Step by and- step. Step by step. I've always done that in my life. Uh, I believe in something, but I plan. You need a plan. You can't go in every, way, in every di- direction because you have a dream. You have to go slow and you have to make sure that things are actually, you have a plan A, but you also have a plan B. And my plan A was that man. My plan B was here. I needed to find also a printer. You need, you need a box. You need, you need documents. You need all kinds of things. Danielle Hankel is our guest this evening of the Danielle Hankel Wellness Company. This is Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD 800. 726 on Today's Entrepreneur this evening, Danielle Hankel of the Danielle Hankel Wellness Company. And uh, with background in sales, Danielle, of course, you had to face many no's uh, when you're trying to get your company started and uh, trying to spread the word. How did you deal with rejection? Because, uh, you know, at first it must have been, um, you know, a, a commonplace occurrence. It is, actually. You get more no's than, than yes uh, for many reasons. Uh, it's not that people don't, don't trust you. It's just that, you know, they don't know you. And uh, I think that when you deal with rejection, you have to remember one thing. Be honest. Be honest with the people. Be honest with yourself. And do not think that it's the end of the world. You have to think that if you believe in what you're doing, if you believe that it cannot not work, then you continue. You have to go on and on until you get that yes. What a satisfaction when you get that one yes among a hundred no's. And you know then 
that if you do well with that yes, if the client or the supplier, because it comes from both ways. Mm -hmm. You need suppliers, you need to be loyal to them. They need to be loyal. So you need to be careful who you choose to walk the road or the path with you. Second, you also choose your clients. At first, maybe you just need clients, but you need to learn that if you don't understand the need of the client and you oversell something, it will hit you back. It will hit you back. So you have to be careful. You also have to know that you're running a business and yes. there are certain cash flow issues and and you have to be true to yourself and make sure that you get to the next day. Exactly. And sometimes or very often your suppliers and customers are part of that of cash flow assistance. Of course. You realize that early on, I gather. Yes. Yes. Um, you have to set limits. You have to set goals. You have to know that you need, for example, $500 that day. Per day, you need so much dollar per month in order to pay your bills, in order to order, and in order to go to the next step. You need to know what you need, the basics. And if you do, then you have to promise yourself that instead of waiting and saying, okay, uh, I know I have four weeks to get to that. No, you don't. You have a day. It's a day by day. So every day I was saying to myself, you need $50 today. I wouldn't get home until I got that $50. And the next day, it's $300. Well, believe me so, I would not get home until I got that $300. Now, you talked about planning before. Did you forecast your years? or your, yes. your did you? How important was that in, in your planning ahead? It is very important because even, you know, not every entrepreneur is at ease with numbers. And that's okay, too, as long as we don't need to be experts. We need to understand what it takes to pay, what are, do you have to pay, and how do you have to get the money in, I mean, the balance of things. And you also have to understand that your company, if it grows, where is that going to lead you? So you need to surround yourself with experts. That is very important for an entrepreneur. And, and Dan, as we've heard so many times, you know, there's a lot of passion out there. But it's the controlled and the planned passion that's really going to make the entrepreneur grow. It's knowing what's coming next and it's knowing what you need to make it to the next step. It's not just about having a great idea and saying, build it and it will come. It's about taking those little steps one at a time and having the wherewithal to know that it's a little step one at a time and that I need a little to get to the next step, especially when the, the lack of financing yes. uh, is such. And uh, and with and knowing it's a family business, that's something we're going to come up to uh, right after in, in the the coming moments. Yes, we'll get to family dynamics coming up on today's entrepreneur at seven thirty seven thirty four. Welcome back to today's entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller, and our guest this evening is Danielle Henkel of the Danielle Henkel Wellness Company. And we're talking about how uh, Danielle uh, literally started this business from nothing on her own as a salesperson, went door to door, you know, slowly gained more sales as you went along. Uh, so you're growing now at this point, uh, you know, in, in the late 90s. Uh, how, how did you manage that growth and starting on your own? How did you how did you expand responsibly? It was um, how to choose the people again uh, around us and with with the little bit of money that you had. So I had to call on some members of the family <laughs> to help because they're always the first one <laughs> not to be paid for whatever they do. <laughs> no. Uh, but it was also to choose the proper product and to get into quality. I think the growth of the company um, 
I would say that the success of the company started with two things mainly um, quality of the product and education of the clients uh, that did have the proper tools to explain why that product was different and why the res they were result oriented. So because the product were giving the results, then people were happy. Then they started asking for more. Then I had to go and get more product that were into the same frame of mind, which is health and beauty. Was it difficult to find those additional suppliers? You had your first one yeah. that was Northern Africa and they knew, they knew yes. what to supply. What about beyond that? Was it difficult to find quality suppliers and establish that relationship? Yes, it's it's always difficult because especially, well, I think in every industry, but mine, it's a booming industry and it started actually in those years, it's really booming and, and, and here you have thousands and thousands of, of promises and, and product and everyone is better than the other. How to make those choices? Well, the best way is to listen also to your feelings. You know, sometimes you ask questions, you listen to the answers, and you look at people in the eyes, and you actually should know. We do know. We know if we feel comfortable with that supplier or potential supplier. We also know how we feel about the product. Does it look good? Does it talks to me? I mean, is do I feel comfortable selling that? Uh, how do I feel if I have to propose this product? What do I say? It is a matter of us. Because we are the one promoting, we need to feel comfortable with both the product and. So that took me to many different places around. Yes. And you've had, and you've had fortune with dealing with suppliers, selecting suppliers yes. by looking at them in the eye. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you tested them out too. It, yes. wasn't, it wasn't on blind faith. It was not on blind faith. It was also based on science. First, the first contact is, who am I dealing with? Because t for me, for Danielle, it was important the human uh, side of everything. How do I feel dealing with this person and knowing that maybe we're going to be partnering for many, many, many years. So we need to respect each other. Number one. Number two, again, the product. Number three, the science. Does it has any science? Or, or is it just, oh, believe me, this is exceptional. Yeah? About what? Prove it. Yes. So we need to go through the three steps. It's the same for anything that we do in life. We need to back ourselves with regulations, with principles, because in my field, we touch bodies, we touch skin, we need to be responsible. Whatever you, we're going to put on our skin, we'll go through. Now, do you apply the same philosophy with your customers? When you're, when you're going out and finding customers and dealing with them and, and looking at them in the eye and giving your word and telling them, is it the similar philosophy? And how did you build your customer base? I think I built it under the same identical philosophy. I think we are one person, and I think that the mistake that sometimes we make is that we think that whatever we are at home, it's one person, and the way we should deal in business, it's another person. It is not. It's the same principle, same values, same beliefs. So you apply them in your whole life, business and family. So yes, I did with, with the clients. I would look at them in the eyes and say, do you or can you trust me? If you can, these are the proof. Try or look or do your research. And I always tell my customers, don't accept anything from anyone. You have access to information. 
please do. Please force yourself, push yourself also because you're a business person too. You need to go beyond my nice face and you need to tell me, Danielle, I've checked or Danielle, I looked. Oh my God, this seems interesting. Maybe it will for you, maybe it won't. Now, when you set out, you're selling product, yes. but are you selling an image? Are you building a brand from day one or of are you course. just going to sell a product? No. Actually, I started selling a product. I didn't know back then that I was actually at the same time building a brand. I was building um, ethics, uh, loyalty, quality, um, as I said. Aren't those the definitions of building a brand? I think it should. I think it should. A brand comes with all that. You cannot build a brand only on marketing. Marketing is one thing, but marketing is will last only a little time. There will always be someone else better than you. There will always be someone with a better idea in marketing to push a product. How many companies do we see that, I mean, start and two years after they're gone and they spend hundreds, thousands, millions of dollars to, to build the brand? Now, a, lo a lot of entrepreneurs kind of equate brand or image with a mission. Did you establish a mission for your company yes. early on? Yes. Has that wavered in any sense since? I think when when you start, again, you go back to who you are because that's your mission. You, I wanted to help. I wanted to educate. And I decided to go into the field of aesthetic because it is beauty to me. It is health. And my mission was give the best let the people understand so whatever they're going to use they're going to be happy and they're going to be healthier that was the mission in my mind but of course with the time and with um, i would say the experience we we build that in a better way or we express it in a better way how has uh, your brand evolved over the years very well <laughs> uh the brands the the danielle henkel brand your brand in, in general in general i think in my industry, I, I'm very well known. Outside my industry, I was not until lately. But in my industry, I'm called the expert in, in the domain when it comes to non-invasive, more natural, um, responsible way. I think clients that have followed me for 15 years can, can prove that. They, they, they buy whatever I do and, and they're happy they're making money. And uh, their clients are happy because it's result-oriented. I think that. Now, the, the mission statement that permeates through the company also affects your I mean, you are a family business. Yes. Now, are all, you have four children? Yes. Are all four children in the business? They are. Do they all have a say? <laughs> of course they do. Of course they do. What, what do, you, do you ever, I guess a, a family dynamics, is, as Dan was alluding to earlier, it's, it's always a challenge. Uh, in any family business, how do you deal with the times where you don't always agree with each other? I would say that don't go in, in, in a, I would say don't partner or don't bring anyone from your family into your business if there are no, n no good foundation. Like, for example, the most important thing to my point of view is respect. You need to respect them. They need to respect me. The, I would say that the most difficult part was, am I the mother or am I the president of the company? That
that was the most difficult thing to, to, to handle. Because when comes the time where we have to argue about an idea or a way of doing something, sometimes I had the impression that we were around the table in the house, in, at home. And I was like, no, 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 no. You can't talk to me like that. <laughs> <laughs> so are you the mother or the president? Well, sometimes I am the mother and sometimes I am the president. Most of the time at the office, I would say I am the president. It took some time for that to be understood because I have, I just want to remind, it's my children started with me, they were young. So when you are 24, well, you're still very impulsive mm -hmm. and you think that you know it all. <laughs> and so we have to, it's a challenge, but because of the respect, they're still there. They're still working with me and they're happy to. I think the company represents values that they believe in more than anything else. And when you have a vision and you look forward, it remains a family business. It does. And that's, uh, and when we, uh, you know, Dan, when we're talking about family businesses, sometimes the parents or the presidents, depending which hat they wear, don't always look that far ahead. They come to sometimes look at a little on an ad hoc basis. Let's see what'll happen next week or the week after or next year. And let's ignore what the future holds. Let's ignore what uh, what health may hold down the road. Uh, and they don't plan. And, and I think it sounds like uh, Danielle has thought it out a little bit. Yes. And I know when we come back after the break, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that more from a planning perspective and a tax perspective and an insurance perspective. Yes. All right. Today's Entrepreneur on CJ80. It's 7.49 on Today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller and our guests this evening, Danielle Henkel of the Danielle Henkel Wellness Company. And we bring into the conversation Nick Moraitis. Nick is a tax partner at Fuller Landau. And uh, we're talking about family businesses, Nick, and how to plan ahead of time, especially when it comes time to, to think about retirement, planning for succession. A lot of stuff to take care of before that happens. Right? Absolutely, and I guess the earliest, the earlier we started, it's usually the better. Although the costs have to be factored in. Uh, in many cases, when the, the the business owner comes into for succession and he's looking at the family, it's it's not the same thing that he will one day wake up and say, "Well, I'm selling the business now. Go out, find a buyer, and off you go." Um, there isn't really any uh, proper tax plan in terms of uh, family succession because one of the chief uh, incentives for entrepreneurs is something called the capital gains deduction when you're selling your business uh, that allows you to pocket part of the capital gain uh, tax-free to recognize the risk that the, uh, that was uh, taken on over all the years it isn't available uh, or it doesn't work very well in the family situation so what you tend to look for is some other means to transfer that wealth down into the other generation and what's been developed over the years and has become very popular in the last uh, decade and a half or so has been the use of family trusts and uh, in terms of these trusts, and what are we looking at is we're basically bringing on the, the, the trust today as a shareholder, uh, but we don't know yet who's going to be the shareholder down the road. Um, so if you have, uh, say, several children, and they could be young, and you don't know if they're going to be involved in the business or not, but uh, perhaps they will one day be, uh, by creating a, a trust and, and making them part of the ben beneficiaries of that trust, one day, should they get involved in the business, should they show the leadership that they can lead that business in the future, you can transfer those shares over to the child in a tax-free manner. Now, what that basically means is if you hold the shares that you own of your business till the very end and, and you pass away or something happens to you, there's a taxation element. By thinking about it while you're alive and while you're involved in the business and having the child come along, you're basically transferring that those shares over to the child. And that those shares could be worth millions. 
but there's no immediate taxation to the child. So you have to, you really have to think ahead, but are you transferring the business to the child at that point? Are you transferring control? Or there's mechanisms not to transfer that control. Well, there's a, there's a lot of stuff, and that's why in in, in the talking process, uh, one element is control. Um, there's the the factual day to day. The child can be taking the day to day decisions that you need to do, but there could be the grand strategic decisions. I.e., the child may want to sell the company after a while, and and you as a parent may not want that to happen, and therefore there's structures that can be uh, using voting shares because there's a corporate law and certain people have the right to vote certain certain actions of a company so a parent could one uh, could decide to retain the voting interest uh, while the child is building on that expertise the other thing is is that uh, that business was worth something that the parent uh, worked on when that evolution to the child occurred um, so the parent's capital is still involved there is still some capital in there and and many people would think well until that day that i've been able to get back part of that capital then I do have a right to have a, a voting a control over that company so the child cannot necessarily sell it from under my feet that we've sometimes seen. Danielle, have, have, is there, this is not something that's, that's, uh, that every entrepreneur knows. I presume you've heard this over the years and you, you've likely had some forethought. Is this, is this something that, that um, I guess slapped you in the face at some point? Did, did somebody have to suggest that like, hey, do I have to think ahead about my kids? Yeah, well, I was lucky enough to have the uh, a very good accountant uh, surrounding or being with us. Uh, the same accountant was with me for uh, almost uh, 11 years. And uh, in 2003, um, he said, I think, Danielle, that it's time for you to look into that because uh, who knows, uh, the company is growing and uh, you need to uh, prepare. So that was taken care of then. So... What you're talking about has been put together a trust and uh, even taking about uh, um, uh, illness, uh, do you go? Uh, critical illness. Critical illness, or, illness yeah. for me and, and, and so on and so forth. So everything has been put in together. I'm still the only shareholder, uh, but uh, everything is in place that if anything happens to me suddenly, um, everything is taken care of. And I think one of the issues is how does the parent get paid uh, when the time comes. And I think when we come back from the break, we'll kind of explore those options as well. And also, what's the one piece of advice that Danielle Hankel would pass along to today's entrepreneur? That's on the way as well. Welcome back to today's entrepreneur. Danielle Hankel is here of the Danielle Hankel Wellness Company and Nick Moretta's tax partner at Fuller Landau. And Josh, we're talking about the, uh, the intricate process of passing on a business to your kids. And I think definitely part of it is, how am I going to fund it? How is that next generation going to be able to kind of not just pay the parents but they also have to think about the the taxes that might uh, be a, that will happen upon death and there's a and that's a it's a big subject matter uh, with taxes on death uh, the biggest concern is funding what you don't want is that the, the taxes are due and uh, there's no means or there's not enough liquidity in the estate because all the value is built into the company what do I do and in many instances what we look at is we look at life insurance um, which is uh, which can be funded over many many years for the for the whole purpose of providing money to the estate to be able to pay the taxes and not having the successors of the business running to a bank when the perhaps the the key like the president has passed away 
And at that point in time, you're asking the bank for money. It doesn't always work. The other thing is while the parent is alive, just because the business is being transferred over to the children doesn't mean the parent's going to now go home and watch TV for the rest of the day. They, they do need to live and they do need to, to continue. Normally, had they sold it to a third party, they would have pocketed uh, proceeds, uh, proceeds on the sale and they would have lived off of that. Now that they're transferring it over to the children, there's other views that have to come in. Yes, maybe there could be a sale. There, there could be a, a stream of payout over a long period of time. There could be a buyback of shares. could be a form of just dividends, etc. It could be the parent still involved in the business, so getting a salary that, that would be commensurate. But that has to be all part of the package. that has to be looked at as part of the family succession. And just one quick question that I'll ask for a quick answer before we wrap up is the wishes of the president of the parent. Is that best done in a will, a shareholder's agreement, or both? And actually, and even in a trust document as well, if you're involving trust, uh, you, you will be looking at a will. Uh, shareholders agreement basically dictates as to what the company is obliged to do, sort of guarantees what has to be done. But you're really looking at a will and into the trust document if you have set up a trust as to what ends up happening, who gets what shares at the end. This is longer than a three-minute conversation. But oh, Nick, absolutely. Thank you, thank you very much. Uh, they're, they're tough very issues that, that absolutely have to be dealt with. And as we, as we come to the, to the end of the show, we'll turn to Danielle in her many years of experience in and out of her business and say, Danielle, what one piece of advice would you give to today's entrepreneur? Never take no for, as a, for an answer. Um, be confident in yourself first and in what you decide to do. And keep in mind that values are the best bet for you. Uh, if you keep your values high and your belief and you know for a fact that you cannot not win, and win could be very personal, then you go for it. And Dan, I'll tell you, my takeaway today uh, very quickly is one word, and it's called conviction. And if you have that, and you have the, the wherewithal and a little bit of control and passion behind it, then that conviction will win out. And, and, and I think Danielle has definitely proven that this evening. Danielle Hankel of the Danielle Hankel Wellness Company. Thanks for coming in tonight. Thank you all. Thank you very much. And thanks, Nick Moraitis from Fleur Landau. Don't forget, you can reach Fleur Landau during business hours at 514-875-2865 or visit flmontreal.com. We're back next Monday night at 7 p.m. on News Talk Radio, CJAD 800.